This is Knesset Corner with Rabbi Dov Lippmann. I'm Scott Kahn. Today we're going to talk about Basil Ratas, the member of Knesset from the Balad Party, who's been accused of bringing cell phones to security prisoners. What do you know about this, Rabbi Lippmann? The accusation is not just some kind of political maneuver. There's a real police investigation with real evidence of a member of Knesset going to visit with Hamas murderers who are sitting in Israeli jails and bringing them cell phones to enable them to be in communication with their Hamas cells and leaders outside of prison. We are talking about a, a potential, a possible breach of Israeli security on the highest of levels performed by a sitting member of the Israeli Knesset. How is such a thing allowed in the Israeli Knesset? I realize there are political considerations. At a certain point, however, treason and sedition should overcome any, any sort of PR issue. So this is a question which I'm asked often about the members of Knesset who seem to be against the state of Israel. Why do we tolerate this? And I want to preface this by saying we go out of our way to make sure that no one can accuse our country of being undemocratic. It's a, it's a very uh, sensitive issue for Israel because we want to be able to show the world that, yes, as a proud Jewish state, there's also Arab representation in the Knesset, and we're not against the Arabs sitting in the Knesset. So we don't want to give the other side, so to speak, any kind of a mechanism to say, oh, they've rejected democracy. People voted for these members of Knesset, and they've been thrown out of the Knesset. So that's why uh, the Knesset is not taking action to, so to speak, throw them out. They've been democratically elected, and therefore, uh, we have to allow that mechanism to play out. However, in this situation, uh, there's no doubt that the moment there's any kind of an indictment uh, against him uh, for this kind of action, for treason against the state, at that point we can stand up very strongly and without any reservations or hesitations and say he can no longer continue to sit uh, as a member of the Knesset. And of course this opens up the issue in general about are there parties which we have to say are just too far outside the fold and they can no longer continue serving in, in the democratic elected parliament of Israel. What about parliamentary immunity? Isn't that something that's going to stop any investigation in cold? So, for example, the chairman of my party, Yair Lapid, member of Knesset Yair Lapid, the first thing that he did was he turned to the attorney general and he said, take away his immunity. And the attorney general has done that to allow the investigation to go forward. There's a lot of uh, populism which happens in these situations. So for example, uh, some of the parties announced right away, we're going to enact the, the law which says that if 90 members of Knesset say that we can dismiss someone, we'll dismiss him. We view that as populist uh, in nature. We, we feel, get rid of his immunity, let the investigation happen quickly, let him be prosecuted quickly, and then he'll be removed and sit in jail, which is where he belongs, and not have some kind of a two-year process now of the Knesset trying to throw him out, during which he'll travel around the world as a political martyr, telling the world, oh, the Knesset's trying to throw me out. Let it be an investigation. And by the way, the head of the joint Arab list, Ayman Uda, came out right away and said there should be an investigation, and if he did it, he should be punished for it uh, with the full measure of the law. That's the approach that Israel should be taking on an issue like this, not out there showing, oh, look how strong I am against Arabs, but there's a person who violated a crime, it was a breach of Israeli security, Let's punish him quickly for it, if that's what happened, and let the law play itself out. After that's done, there does have to be a discussion, though, about potential security threats to Israel, even to the Knesset, even to ministers, the prime minister, when you uh, allow democracy to be so free that potential traitors are sitting in the Knesset. What do you mean? How could that play out in the Knesset itself? So I'll explain a, a nightmare scenario, which I've thought about numerous times, even while I was sitting in the Knesset. The way it works in the security in the Knesset is that anybody who goes into the Knesset has to go through a series of security checks. 
with the exception of the members of Knesset and former members of Knesset. They do not have to go through any security checks walking into the building. So imagine for a moment a person like Basel Ratas, and God forbid, and it's hard for me to even say these words, but someone who clearly, potentially, is a threat to Israel's security, if in fact it's proven that he's given cell phones to security prisoners, he can walk into the building with whatever he wants in his bag, anything he wants in his bag, and that can include weapons, and no one's checking him. There's no mechanism to check that. Either he himself or a visitor of his to his office can then come in and make use of those weapons and, and horrible, horrible nightmare scenarios could play out in the Knesset, including, uh, God forbid, the worst possible attacks against leaders of the state of Israel. This is something which has to be assessed. Some people have said, well, maybe members of Knesset do have to be checked. And by the way, I have no problem with that. I don't, I don't see the need to have the, the, you know, the respect and the honor of walking through without going through a metal detector. That's fine if that's what's decided. But something has to be uh, thought about. And I do believe that the same way Israel said that we can't have racist parties and there was a Jewish party that was uh, not allowed to even run for the Knesset, we do have to establish very clear rules on the Arab side as well, where uh, I understand they can have criticism of the state of Israel, they can have real problems with the state of Israel, but there's a line that you cross to being traitors and being for the destruction of the state of Israel in a proactive way, where I don't think it's a, a hit to democracy in any way to say that party cannot run to be part of the parliament of the state of Israel. I think that's something which has to be really looked at seriously. Well, it seems more often, at least to me, that the Balad party of the three parties in the joint list is the one that's constantly getting involved in these things, whether it's Zawabi or Bishara. Unlike Tal and Hadash, which are part of the joint list, they're Arab parties in general, more or less, but at the same time, they haven't express seditious thoughts in general from what I see. But a lot of seems different. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's where I want to make that distinction. We're not coming out and saying, and this is where we have to be so careful as politicians, as leaders, as citizens of a state, to not make generalities out of this and not to say all Arabs are blank. As a result of this, we can't have Arab parties in the Knesset. It's a big, big mistake. We have to separate between the two. I do feel that one of the things that we've lost because of the joint Arab list and all the Arabs being together is that people do tend to group them all together. And also some of the more moderate Arab members of Knesset feel more reserved in their criticism of the extremist Arab members of Knesset because they're working together as a faction in the Knesset. But yes, we do have to separate between the two. We have to make very clear distinctions between the two, recognize that there are Arab members of Knesset who are there, and, and they've been democratically elected by the Arab population in Israel. And whether they're serving their responsibility and serving the best interests of the Arab population in Israel is a whole other question. But as long as they don't cross that line into sedition and being absolute traitors and speaking against the state, uh, they can serve uh, in the Knesset, as opposed to Balad, which uh, has certainly crossed uh, that line, and, and to, to find the legislative maneuver and measure to make sure that they can't even be running for the Knesset, because once they're democratically elected, that's where we get into the problem of not really being in a position to remove them uh, from office and that's where we lose the possibility of people saying you're not a true democracy. In your experience, is this a problem with the Balad party or individual Knesset members in Balad? Because it always seems there's one person at any given time in Balad who is under investigation, who is accused of something, as opposed to the party as a whole. So it's interesting. Uh, if we just take a step back for a moment and just analyze Israeli Arabs, one-third are against, there's polls that have been done, one-third are very much against the state of Israel existing as a Jewish state and existing at all, one-third. We tend to focus on that third, but there's two-thirds that don't have that uh, perspective and do accept uh, the state of Israel. Balad is definitely the party 
that represents that extremist element. Remember, there's about 17% that are against voting at all, taking part in elections, and they view Balad as traitors uh, in the state of Israel for being part of the Knesset. So Balad represents whatever extremists, the Islamic extremists that do vote for the Knesset, and it's a party issue. There's no doubt that it's a party issue. And to have a party that sits in government, uh, which is willing to do things uh, against the state and violate its security, that's something which I think we have to really uh, analyze. Again, the same way, and I don't want to compare them, but the same way there was a Jewish party which was viewed as, as not uh, suitable to run in elections, uh, there could be an Arab party which is determined as not suitable as running for elections. And at that point, I don't view that as violating democracy. Uh, we're not allowing them to be even part of the political realm, and the Israeli Arabs will be free to vote other Israeli Arabs into the Knesset. If you say that one-third of the Arab population of Israel is for the policies espoused by Balad, won't it just be replaced with another radical party? This is something which we have, there have to be clear rules about what parties have to believe in in order to, or not believe in, in order to run for the Israeli parliament. And I think this is any democracy in the world. I can't imagine a situation in the United States Congress uh, where of members being elected where they're, de where they're determined as their party a platform to destroy the United States of America as it exists today. I, I can't imagine any democracy allowing for that. There have to be certain ground rules that are in place. I think that this situation with member of Knesset Ratas is helpful it sounds kind of funny to say that, but it's helpful because we can actually point the, our finger now and say, look at how this person is breaching Israel's security. Look at the threat that he is using his immunity uh, to be able to go into a prison and, and, and bring these cell phones. Uh, now we have the basis, I think, to take that kind of action uh, once he's prosecuted and indicted and sitting in jail. And we can use this as the example to say, okay, there are certain Arab parties as well which have to be out of the fold. Again, not allow them to be even part of the political realm because once they are elected, it is true. They, they, they are democratically elected and we can't throw them out once people have chosen them. But to say there's certain parties that are just outside the fold, I'm sorry if you have that philosophy. We did it on the Jewish side, we can do it on the Arab side as well. One last question about this. What about turning them into martyrs? Is that a problem? When I sat in Knesset and, uh, let's say, Member Kesa Zawabi spoke, my policy was just to walk out because she wants us to be sitting. If I'm sitting there, I can't not scream at her for what she's saying, and she wants that scenario so she can travel around the world and show the video of the Jewish members of Knesset coming out against her, making her into a martyr. And that's where the issue of removing them from the Knesset and why we personally myself and also our party, Ishatid, were against saying, okay, now the Knesset will rise up and throw them out of the Knesset. That's exactly what they want and turns them into the martyrs that they want to be. And we need to have a swift, clear uh, judicial process right now. The proofs will be there. He'll be judged in court and he'll go to jail. And that is the way to fight against them, but not giving them the platform to be able to say, oh, we are political martyrs. Moving on to a new topic. The state budget is about to be passed. There's been a bit of controversy about discretionary funds that are given to individual members of Knesset. Can you explain what that's all about? So this is something which I don't think the broader public is aware of, and I have to be honest with you, until I was sitting in my office as a member of Knesset and asked by people if they could please make use of my discretionary funds, uh, I wasn't aware of this situation at all. Apparently, there's a culture 
where in order to get a state budget passed, and again, members of Knesset might have issues with the budget, they might not feel that uh, the budget is exactly the way they want it, and as, out of a fear of them voting uh, potentially against the budget, uh, especially in a tight, narrow coalition, there are funds that are given within the budget to members of Knesset. They're called coalition funds to parties or discretionary funds, uh, slush funds to members of Knesset to use as they choose. And I want to say that I was shocked when people would come to me and say, oh, I need funding for this organization or for that, and I would say, I don't have funding for you. And they'd say, of course you do. That's how the budget gets passed. And I actually developed a pride to realize that while we were in office and member of Knesset Yair Lapin was a finance minister, there was no allowance for giving out those kinds of funds, and we, and certainly Nisha Teed, were not given any money. But I'm reading now about members of Knesset being given tens of millions of shekel to use as they choose. And there might be many of them, if not all of them, who will use it for very good purposes in Israel. And there are organizations that need help. But there's zero process in place at all for any kind of oversight for how they use that money. There's no reporting in place to a governmental body which says, here's how the money was used, here you see the transfers, this is what it's being used for. And from my perspective, that creates a culture which I call corrupt. Uh, I believe that there's a bribery of sorts that's taking place, and that's not the way uh, our government should be running. We should be striving for complete transparency, uh, complete openness and honesty with the people of Israel, that they can know that every shekel of taxpayer money, where it's going to and how it's being used, and that's not the process which is in place right now. How much does each Knesset member get? I mean, I'm reading this morning about member of Knesset Mickey Zohar, who uh, apparently didn't want to vote for the budget, and he was given 40 million shekel uh, to use. You mean it's individualized? Individualized. Individualized. Uh, and there are apparently other members who were upset about this, and they criticized them, and then they got their payoffs, and now all of a sudden they were fine with it. And uh, it's a culture which goes back to, I think, the, the old boy network, so to speak, when the State of Israel was founded, where there was a small group that was in the leadership, and uh, they had control over all of these funds and where things went. And I want to remind people, very often, even if they're going to good purposes, uh, don't be surprised if those funds are going towards people who vote in the primaries uh, for these member of Knesset's parties. And Literal that, bribery. And that, again, there we have a straight connection between getting funds to vote for the budget so that I can stay in office by giving the money to people who will support me. And this is where it's a real concern. We have to strive in our country to have zero of this, to have none of this culture whatsoever. You know, there are polls that are coming out now about the disconnect between the people of Israel and the leaders in the state of Israel, and the distrust which they have, and the complete frustration which they have with the Knesset, the members of Knesset, and how they view them. These are the kinds of things which, in my opinion, build towards that, because people see this, and they say, oh, it's just people taking care of themselves. It's just people trying to be in office for the sake of being in office. And that's a culture which we have to change, and we should strive for a, perhaps even legislation, which says there is no such thing as coalition funds. There is no such thing as private members of Knesset getting money within the context of the budget. Everything out in the open, nothing to anybody individual, nothing to individual parties. It goes towards state ministries to fulfill what the state has to do for the people, and that's that, and that's what we have to strive for.
How is something like that ever going to pass? Because every party, it would seem, has a self-interest in letting the system continue as it is. As with anything, it has to come through a democratic process of people recognizing that they should not be voting into office, people who do this. Uh, voters of whatever party, I'm not saying people should vote for my party because of this. Voters in Likud should be demanding of the Likud party that they have complete transparency and don't allow for this. Voters of the Labor Party should be demanding that there not be anything like this. Voters in Biden UD. It should be coming from the people themselves saying, we want to vote for your policy. We support Biden, Houdin, and its policies, but we are demanding that there be no coalition funds. And then they could, and all the parties, that should be a demand which they make. Yes, I'm very proud that in my particular party, we didn't have that, and we will never allow that to happen. But I'm saying voters in their parties, with whatever their ideologies are, should be making these demands. And this is something where democracy can play out. Uh, citizens do have a power to make those kinds of demands, but it obviously has to be a grassroots movement coming from the citizens to make this kind of demand. And people have to know that it exists and challenge their politicians and challenge their representatives straight on to say no uh, to coalition funds and no to these discretionary funds. I'm Scott Kahn with Rabbi Dove Lippman. This has been Knesset Corner.